You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. With a little bit of a preview podcast coming your way today, I am joined by Joey Helmer of OU Insider, our Oklahoma 24-7 sports website. Joey does a great job covering Oklahoma, so we're going to get his thoughts on Saturday's Oklahoma versus Kansas game. But for you, Joey, what's the, uh, the start of your week been like so far? Is it busy times in Norman? It is very busy times, and uh, our message boards are just lit right now with people that are frustrated about uh, just about everything that's going on with Oklahoma's season so far. Three and three start, and I don't think anyone anticipated, especially after the first three games, that things were going to kind of crumble how they have. So, yeah, uh, there's a lot of angst right now in Norman. Yeah, well, I want to start – I like to start these podcasts getting like a little bit of, of a vibe check to see where the, the opposing team is and, and fan base is at. When we talked to Jeremy Clark last week, it seemed like the entire team was coming off of a pretty good high of beating Oklahoma. But you look at Oklahoma's season so far, right? They have a, a really dominant win over UTEP to start the season, then another uh, a big win over Kent State. Both of those games, they score over 30, hold the opponent under 14, then they go on the road – smack Nebraska 49 to 19. They start three and zero, but now it's three straight losses to Kansas state at home at TCU, which was a, a 31 point blowout. And then on last Saturday, the red river shootout showdown. What do we, I don't know what we're calling it these days, whatever you want to call it. It's a 49 to nothing loss. What's it like? Obviously Oklahoma fans have super high expectations, rightfully. So the program has been so successful, but I guess, what is the fan base like and what's just the vibe like around the program with the coaches and players? Well, I kind of equate this to if Kansas is going through a major struggle in the basketball season. I mean, it, you're just not used to this kind of struggle. And frankly, that hasn't happened a very long time in Lawrence, but um, it, it's almost like, we had too lofty of expectations about Oklahoma based off those first three games. And mm-hmm. when they went to Lincoln and dominated Nebraska like they did, I think people kind of accelerated the timeline of uh, how Oklahoma was going to turn this thing around. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you look at the program because uh, this is a team that has been to the college football playoff several times. You know, they've uh, won the Big 12 a number of times, and yet there's so much that's been left to be desired. I mean, they've been blown out on the national stage. And so uh, this has been a process for Brent Venables, and uh, I think it's a process that right now we're seeing is going to take a lot more work than we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see with Oklahoma the direction they move the rest of the season because 
Uh, I've said it a couple of times already that this is a turning point game, but yeah, this really is. This thing could go completely off the rails, and uh, people around here are wondering if Oklahoma's even going to go to a bowl game. So uh, if they don't win this game this weekend, it, that's only going to you know raise that talk to another level. Mm. And you mentioned the expectations there at the start of your answer. I'm curious for you then, Joey, like what were your expectations going into the season? Obviously a new coaching staff, right? A new quarterback and Dylan Gabriel um, defense is a Brent Venables thing, right? You think back to Clemson, all those great defenses that he led um, using a lot of what Iowa state uses in kind of that three man front and that three, three, five scheme. So for you, like going into this year, what did you think Oklahoma was going to be like? Well, I, I thought Oklahoma would compete for the Big 12 championship. I, I really did. I, I thought that the roster was still talented enough. Uh, if you look, at, and I think the number is like 46 uh, blue chip players. Uh, Oklahoma, you know, is not void of talent. And so uh, that that's not the issue, I don't believe. Um, are they as talented as, as some of the other rosters around the country, like a Georgia or an Alabama or a Clemson? No, I, I don't think so. But uh, this isn't a team that is completely lacking in that area. And so um, it was, you know, not lofty to say that they would respond from a disappointing 2021 and come back and win the Big 12. And uh, clearly that's now not going to be the case. So anyway, you slice it up. This is going to end up being a disappointing season for Oklahoma, but um, the, as far as expectations coming in, uh, that's kind of the baseline. That's the benchmark. Um, I, I know I, I, again, equate it to Kansas. The, the benchmark is winning the Big 12 in sure. basketball every single season. And so uh, then from there you talk Final Four. And so, um, yeah, that, that's there, there's no reason why Oklahoma shouldn't have felt like they were a favorite in this league going in. Mm. So where do you think it's it's changed? Where have things gone wrong? Obviously, Kansas State is showing itself to be a pretty good team. Kansas fans found out just how good TCU is. And, and that I think TCU is a team that will be playing in Arlington in December. I think they're that good. So obviously, they play two good teams to start off Big 12 play. But I guess just where have things gone wrong for Oklahoma to start the year? Well, Oklahoma's really been stuck in a rut. I think in that Kansas State game, they really couldn't get out of their own way. Uh, they busted big time, and Adrian Martinez made them pay. And then uh, the last two weeks, really just they've been all out of sorts on both sides of the ball. Uh, they haven't been able to move it offensively. Dylan Gabriel being out uh, certainly has uh, hindered them in a number of ways. But uh, they haven't moved the football, and – um, defensively, just guys have been all out of place. I mean, not not fit and uh, not tackling and just a lot of fundamental things mm -hmm. have gone wrong for Oklahoma. And uh, quite frankly, they've given up in, in both of the last two games. So uh, there's not really a whole lot you can talk about positively with mm -hmm. Oklahoma right now. Definitely. So let's start with the offense then and Dylan Gabriel. You know, I thought it was very interesting. I obviously read your update with Dylan, I think from Monday, where he said, yeah, I'm in concussion protocol. But it seemed like signs were pointing towards him playing this Saturday, even though he's still in concussion protocol. And then Lance Leipold comes out on Tuesday and just straight up says, yeah, Dylan Gabriel is going to play. Like, that's who we're preparing for. There's no preparing for the backup. Um, what do you think his status is? Is he going to play this week? And I guess what is Oklahoma getting back that they missed? Obviously last week, but even when he got knocked out of that TCU game too. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, Brent Venables kind of stopped short of uh, going into details of uh, what the concussion protocol all um, entails. But the fact that we were able to talk to him after practice on Monday, I think, is obviously a good sign. He, he's going uh, through the the entirety of the protocol this week, and uh, they said by Thursday, so uh, tomorrow, um, they will – we're shooting this on Wednesday, so in one day, um, they, they will know uh, his status for this weekend. I expect he's going to play. Now, yeah. I don't think that there's going to be a setback here. Um, I thought everything progressed well last week. The fact that he was – uh, out there warming up and uh, working out at, at the Cotton Bowl, uh, to me, was a tremendous positive sign. He's been going through practice this week. So, yeah, yeah I expect him to play. And uh, as far as what he adds for Oklahoma, uh, gosh, they, they haven't been able to throw the ball. I mean, Davis Bevel has not been able to, to throw the football, mm -hmm. uh, basic throws. And so um, <laughs> Gabriel's going to stretch – this offense again, you're going to get your playmakers like Marvin Mims and uh, Jalil Farouk and all those guys um, back involved in the offense. So we said coming into the year that nothing could happen to Dylan Gabriel or things were really going to go awry. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we've seen. So uh, he completely changes Oklahoma's offense being uh, the signal caller. Yeah. And I guess then I'll build off that. How so? Um, you look at the offense, and obviously you have a really great receiver in, in Mims, and it seems like Jeff Lebby's a, a very highly regarded offensive coordinator. So I guess what is he bringing to the offense that elevates it? Dual threat? Is it just the arm talent? I guess what is it about him that has, makes it such a stark contrast between him and the backup where you know they struggled to score against TC with the backup, and they literally did not score against Texas with the backup? It sounds almost crazy to say this, that we're talking about Oklahoma here, but just the sheer ability to throw the football. I mean, it really just handicaps you in so many ways if uh, you know on the other side that, that their guy can't you know, stretch the field, and that's been the case. Uh, Oklahoma had to implement a Wildcat offense <laughs> last week, and so we're running – not really out of their normal packages. And so um, it, it just – it's that simple, really, when you look. Dylan Gabriel can, can extend uh, what Jeff Levy wants to do. He can expand their offense. And it, and it should be noted that Gabriel has missed some throws this year. Uh, down mm -hmm. the field, that TCU game, um, he, he has uh, – I believe it's Drake Stoops in, in another game. I mean, just – Marvin Mims, he had open a couple of times and missed him. So uh, he can be better throwing the football as well. But the ability to just be able to have that part of your offense is what he brings. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Gotcha. And I guess overall, holistically then, you know, I know they do the up-tempo stuff. I know KU fans know Oklahoma as the team that's got sweet ride receivers on the outside, usually has a good quarterback. Offensive line tends to be a strength as well. I guess, can you just give us a a 50,000-foot view of Oklahoma's offense, what they're trying to do, and where maybe the strengths and weaknesses might lie? Yeah, I felt like uh, going into the season, you know, offensive line was a a bit of a question mark. They had Mm -hmm. a couple of guys uh, that they had to replace there, and uh, that group really has actually played pretty well recently. Uh, They've gotten better, I think, and uh, they've been able to run the football some because of that. So, uh, Jeff Levy, I don't think he's been able to really do what he's wanted to do offensively. I mean, they they're at times not even been able to pick up first down, so they haven't been able to get into the tempo that Levy likes to run with. And so, um, yeah, that's it's just been really inconsistent. I think is the way to put it. Mm-hmm. They have had some good plays at times, certainly not over the last couple of weeks, but. Um, it's just been an inconsistent uh, unit, but certainly the playmaking is there. Uh, you look at the backs, Eric Gray and Marcus Major. Uh, he was injured and didn't go to TCU a couple weeks ago, but he's given uh, good carries at times when he's been in there, and then uh, they can work off of that and stretch the field. So it's an Oklahoma offense that honestly should be producing a lot more than it is, in my mm. opinion. Interesting. I think – for me, like when I look at the offense, I'm I'm concerned for KU looking at Marvin Mims. You know, we talked to defensive coordinator Brian Borland on Wednesday and, you know, we kind of talked about, hey, he's kind of got the complete package. Where last week, you know, KU goes against Quentin Johnston from TCU, who's a big wide receiver, athletic, physical, and can do it all. And then this week it's a, a guy like Mims who's got the speed to burn and, and can get open and I, I don't think KU's done a great job against number one wide receivers, and it seems like this week's going to be a big test. I was interested in the running backs, too, because obviously think about all the great running backs Oklahoma has had over the last you know five, six years, and obviously it seems like they have a good staple of backs there. But I, I want to switch to defense because I think that, for me, is the most fascinating part of this Oklahoma team because when, they, when Brent Venables was hired, what I immediately thought was, oh, so Oklahoma is going to all of a sudden have a, a defensive coach with the dudes they already had on defense. And that's going to become a really good unit. What's happened? Because I, you mentioned them being out of place. You watched that Texas game. Anytime Texas motioned, Oklahoma got out of sorts and everyone was all over the place and they went up tempo and it, it just looked like Oklahoma was 
just off. So I guess what's been going on with the defense that has made it a little bit more of a sieve the last three weeks where I think they're averaging like 48.3 points per game allowed, I guess just walk us through kind of what's been going on with them defensively. Yeah, I think you nailed a lot of it there. And it's at times Oklahoma, it seems like they're not even getting the calls in uh, before the ball is snapped. So there's that, there's guys out of place, they're not tackling. Um, and then you talk about from a schematic standpoint, um, there want to be multiple defensively uh, between the three and the four man front. And the three, three, five just really hasn't been working for them in recent mm. weeks. So um, they, they haven't been able to generate uh, pressure on the quarterback. Uh, that's hurt, obviously, on the back end of the defense. So early on, they were doing a lot of those things. They led the country uh, with 32 tackles for loss through the first three games. And then that's been uh, basically non-existent ever since. Mm. So um, it, it's, it's a numerous amount of problems with Oklahoma defensively right now. And uh, it's to the point, too, to where – uh, you know, there's some young talent that, like a Jaron Canick, you guys are familiar yeah. with uh, Kansas, and uh, people are clamoring for him to be in the lineup more. He was great at Nebraska, and uh, yet they haven't really been playing. So mm. just personnel-wise, there's some question marks, and it's it's all over the field. It really is. Wow. And so uh, front seven, I've heard a lot about maybe the depth issues that they've had there. Um like Andy Kolnicki, the offensive coordinator for Kansas today, spent some time talking about, hey, well, you know, if you talk to them, they probably say that, oh, we've got some depth issues at, I think he said linebacker. So I guess what is Oklahoma looking at in terms of just having guys able to play in that front seven on Saturday? Yeah, that position is thin at linebacker. Uh, Kip mm-hmm. Lewis was uh, supposed to redshirt, and obviously you got the four-game rule, so uh, he can play four games, but – that's a guy that I think Oklahoma wasn't really planning on putting into the lineup, and yet he played against Texas last week. So they're thin there. Um, that, that's been an issue since the preseason, but a couple of injuries has made it even thinner. And then, uh, but again, I, I talked about that defensive line, uh, Ethan Downs, Reggie Grimes. Th- these are guys that can get after the quarterback, and it's just been really kind of mystifying uh, why they haven't been able to do so. So it's mm-hmm. almost – it's one of those – it's like, well, is it going to happen? Oh, man, if Kansas is the team that stands in the way of that one, that actually does happen, that's unfortunate. But it, it it's just really seems like it's a matter of time. But it, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We haven't seen it in recent weeks. Yeah. And so I want to transition to, I guess, big picture because you and I were talking before we hit record about kind of the, the betting spread. It opens it about a touchdown. And then on Tuesday, when Lance Leipold comes out and says, Hey, hey, you know, Jalen Daniels is doubtful for the game, you know, the line moved pretty quickly. And now it's, I think we were talking about like nine, nine and a half. I guess, what do you think about the line? I'll give my take after you, but what's kind of your, your read on that line and I guess the game overall? I thought it was too much, honestly, based on what we've seen from both teams. Uh, Kansas very easily could be undefeated. I think they could have won that game against, uh, like you said, a really good TCU team. And Oklahoma just has so many question marks right now that I I was shocked, frankly, that that was the line. And it's funny because when you look now, it's like, man, they're actually, they're a nine point favorite. That seems like too much. Well, 
if you talked about if we had the same conversation before the season and uh, I told you mm. that Oklahoma was going to be a nine point favorite, I think both of us would have been like, wow, only a nine point favorite. Yeah. So it, it's a really interesting line. It's any way you kind of slice it up. Yeah, I agree. I think I talked with, you know, our mutual friend Kevin Flaherty on, on Sunday, like the line, it seemed high for me. Like I think it generally should be maybe closer to that four or five range, kind of the, the Vegas number where they kind of just put it and see where the money goes. But I look at this game, you know, oh, I want to get your opinion after, but I think this is a game where maybe KU will be able to score. I just look at what KU relies on offensively. It's being, like you said, what Oklahoma wants to be multiple. And I look at the motions that Kansas does. I look at the options and having to be disciplined. And it's just stuff I watched in the last two Oklahoma games I haven't really seen. I'm curious how KU's defense will do against the skill position guys of Oklahoma. And I think Dylan Gabriel could have a good game passing, especially if he can kind of lock in there. Because I just look at KU secondary, particularly the cornerbacks. And I think that's maybe the biggest weakness on defense. But I guess for you, where do you feel like Oklahoma might have some success? And where are you maybe most concerned about Oklahoma on Saturday? Yeah, well, I, I think concern-wise, I would – I mean, it's, it's both sides of the ball. But I, mm-hmm. I, I got to start with defensively because there's just been so many gaping holes. And um, Jason Bean looked really good in coming in for Jalen Daniels. So, uh, I don't think – you know, you you can sit here and say, oh, it's a backup quarterback we're, we're probably going to be going against here. No, we, we got to – figure out our own issues if we're Oklahoma here and um, shore up everything that's been going on defensively. And I, I feel, I don't know, you shouldn't be confident offensively based on what we've seen, but with Dylan Gabriel coming back, you feel like they're going to be able to move the football. I think you just do. Um, you feel like they're even with getting shut out uh, by Texas for only the third time in the modern era, you, you feel like you're going to be able to do some things uh, if you've got that starting quarterback back. So um, I, I do think that the the line, like I said, I think it was too high. I, I was surprised. I don't think you can be any kind of confident right now on Oklahoma winning a football game. I just really think you're, you're kidding yourself if you are based on what that product that you've seen. So um, it's, it's an interesting matchup uh, all over the field. Yeah, like you said, uh, Marvin Mims versus uh, those cornerbacks for Kansas. That That's an interesting matchup to watch in this one. Definitely. And so for you, um, prediction time. How do you see this one playing out? I feel about as least confident as I possibly could. But I, I think Oklahoma's going to win a close game here. I, I just feel like – they're going to respond. I don't get the indication uh, that this is a team that's totally given up. I, I did mention mm-hmm. that they've given up within the games, but uh, just being around this program, I, I feel like there's still the buy-in um, that mm-hmm. you would question at this point. You, you certainly have to question it. Um, I, I think just to me, getting Gabriel back, I think they're going to be able to score enough to eke out a close victory, but uh, I, I could see this one going both ways for sure. Definitely. I've talked a lot about coin flip games on our podcast before, and this is another one where I, I wouldn't be – you give me any range of outcomes, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. That's uh, how crazy this game is going to be. But, all right, Joey, that's some great stuff. Thanks a bunch for coming on. Where can KU fans go find you all week if they want to check in on Oklahoma stuff? 
Sure. Yeah, you can uh, check out all our stuff. Of course, I'll have a, a couple pregame stories that uh, come out Thursday and Friday. So at OUinsider.com and then uh, my Twitter handle is at JoeyHelmer247. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks a bunch, Joey, for coming on. And thank you again for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you head over to any sort of podcast platform of your choice. Check out the podcast. Subscribe. You'll get notified whenever we have a new podcast out. And if you're listening on the podcast apps, head over to the YouTube channel, The Fog, Kansas basketball and football coverage. You'll find all sorts of exclusive YouTube content we have over there. And thank you as always for listening. We'll talk to you all again on Sunday. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.